Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Before we go into worship, our, our message, let's breathe out all the anxieties all the thoughts and the list of chores and tasks that needs to be done. Every harassing thought, we want to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Exhale. And let's inhale the plans, the agenda, and the promise of God, the presence of God that is in this place to draw us and to hurt us. Heard, not hurt. (laughs) Heard to his presence. September 24th. Live first and foremost in my presence. Gradually, you will become more aware of me than of people and places around you. This awareness will not detract you from relationship with others. Instead, it will increase your ability to give love and encouragement to them. My peace will permeate your words and demeanor. You will be active in the world, yet one step removed from it. You will not be easily shaken because my enveloping presence buffers the blow of problems. This is the path I have set before you. As you follow it wholeheartedly, you experience abundant life and peace. Amen? And I want to ask Dr. Sammy to come. You all be seated. So, I think four or five years ago, Steph Curry was playing the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. And of course, you don't know this about me, I'm a basketball fanatic. I go to one Steph Curry game every year in the playoffs. So if you want to come with me this year or next year, let me know. Um, it, but it, things didn't start off well. Steph Curry scored zero points in the first half. And Johan went with me to this game, and I was just venting. Like, dude, I can't believe we spent all this money, and this guy sucks. So bad. He's such a stinker, choking it up in a game six. I mean, come on. Can you believe it? But then things turned better in the second half. He scored 40 points and won the game. And we were going crazy. And actually, if you go look at that 2019 clip of Steph Curry, you see me and Joe in the stands. I don't know why this is. I'm always on TV when I go to a game. But So we, we leave and get in the car. For whatever reason, I don't know why we did this. But he rented a BMW X5. He, not me. And, okay, I encouraged him. But right when we were going to the hotel, we get into this pretty bad accident. Someone passes a red light and crashes into our car. 
And so things are not, you know, put a damper on things. We're like, you know, all kind of freaked out. But, you know, but just as a form of hope, I remember that I put the card on my Chase Sapphire and it has full coverage. So if you guys are traveling and need a referral for Chase Sapphire, please let me know. <laughs> Advertisement. No. And they did cover it, the whole $7,000. Just letting you know. I'm trying to add value here. So we get to the hotel. We're not happy campers. You know, we're, we're sort of shake, you know, shooken up uh, by this. And my typical kind of New York attitude comes out at Houston. And the person's like, excuse me, sir. You know, you're a little intense. I'm like, I'm so sorry. We just got into an accident. This knucklehead just, you know, crashed into us. And we were waiting for the police for an hour. And I was like, oh, okay. But, and she goes, you must not be around from here. I'm like, what, my energy's different? The vibe's different? She's like, yeah. I said, we're from New York. She's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and after all this, you know, the interaction didn't start again well. But I had the audacity because of my status at the Marriott, platinum status, to ask if there were any upgrades available. She goes, oh, I had missed your status. See, see, folks, you need to tell them your status when you get to the front, okay? They missed this. She goes, oh, there is an upgrade available. Upgraded us. This suite we, you know, we went into had three bathrooms. Total waste. Me and Joe, we, we didn't have to use the same bathroom. And it, it was huge. And the whole point uh, of my story is this. When you read Luke 11, Jesus says to his disciples and people here teaching, you have not because you what? Ask not. Tell someone next to you, you have not, because you ask not. Most people who go to a hotel never ask for an upgrade. They just accept things as they are. Why? There's no expectation for more. Jesus, in this text at Luke 11, is addressing the spirit of poverty, spiritual poverty. Because when you deal with poverty of spirit, it has an aversion to faith. Why? Because it doesn't believe for more. And Jesus is addressing that poverty in the spiritual life. And I think it's critical for many of us here to have a correct vision of who God is, who Abba, Father, is. This text is actually silly and humorous because Jesus uses many hyperboles. And at the same time, it addresses the spirit of poverty and the spirit of self-reliance that many, both believers and seekers, live because of their distorted vision of God and who God is. A.B. W. Tozer once said that the most important thing about you is how you see God. Today, what we want to dismantle is how 
viscerally, and we might, through, you know, a critical process and theologically believe that God is good and God is faithful, but viscerally we live that out very differently. And that's what we want to address. And I want to show you what spiritual poverty looks like. And maybe you can identify it in your life. So let's go to this text. And so Jesus here uses hyperbole. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus here makes the correlation between our expectation and our vision of who God is. That will determine how you trust God. As you know, uh, me and my wife, with our youngest son, Josh, at 11, just came back from Japan. So let's put this picture up here. Josh is the one that had to go to the babe store. I, I didn't know what this was. But one request he asked three months before the trip was, Dad, I must go to Bape. And I checked where we are in our hotel, and it's only about three miles away. He was prepared. And so I said, okay, you know what? These, these you know, fancy hotels give you crazy amount of breakfast buffets, so we wanted to you know, work that off. And if, if, if you get to know me, I once, in the, in the midst of summer here in the theater, took a Uber from here to Regal Theaters, 19th Street. Because I didn't want, because it was so hot, and I didn't want to sweat. I, I don't really like walking unless I'm exercising, you know? And so Josh says, let's do this. And you guys, Japan is a furnace in the summer. I'm like, if you see this picture, you know, I'm holding my shirt, that's sweat I'm picking up right there, sweat. And I'm like, okay, Josh, you know what? You really wanted to go here, so, so let's go. Let's go to the store. We walk 40 minutes, and surprisingly, I found it with Google Maps. Didn't get lost once, thank you. And, and my wife was like, wow, you got better at this. I'm like, I know, I'm surprised too. And, we get to the store, it's closed. They're remodeling. There are a whole bunch of people from Korea cursing in Korean. You know, they're like, oh my God, we, we just got here just to get this. And I'm like, oh, this is really valuable for people. I, I'm beginning to, you know, catch. And Josh is just, you, you see his face and he is dejected. And he wants to give up on life, it seems like, you know, like, and he's like, oh, well, thanks, Dad, for uh, trying, at least. Now, in this moment, as you know, I have a proclivity toward comfort. 
and AC and not being sweaty. My typical vacation is to stay near the hotel at the pool, never go anywhere else. But the father's heart kicked in. I knew what it meant to, to my youngest son. And I knew this is something he'll remember for the rest of his life. When, you know, how many times do you come to Japan at 11? So I Google Maps another store, secretly, 35-minute walk. There, I feel ambivalent. I say, self-talk is, hey, you already tried. Okay, I go, Josh, there's another store. And then my wife says, but what if they're remodeling that store? I'm like, stop the negativity, okay? <laughs> stop it. So we walk 35 minutes. I'm drenching, I'm drenched in sweat. I didn't know that this is like equivalent to Louis Vuitton. We must look like bums when we went to the store. They're like, please don't touch that. I was like, oh, you know, you can't try that on. We look like bums there, homeless, I think. And Jesus's point in this text is simple. If you don't know the heart of your father, you don't know who God is. If you don't have the correct vision of God, then you're going to think negatively about what he will give you or what he will help you with. The first lesson we learn from this text is this. Spiritual poverty, read it with me, spiritual poverty stems from a poor vision of God. It's not that God's poor or you're poor. Tell someone next to you, you're not poor. You just have poor vision. Poor vision. Spiritual, spiritual poverty stems from a poor vision of God. Jesus says, if you then, who are evil in comparison to me and the Father, know how to give good, good gifts to your children, then how much more, Jesus says, how much more? Jesus quantifies the comparison. Yeah, and it's true. I who have a proclivity toward comfort and not being in the weather, no, as a father want to bless my child. Even though it's the most spoiled thing you can give a child, it's babe clothes. Why does anyone need something from Louis Vuitton? Or it's equivalent. They don't need it. My son will not die if he didn't have something from babe. But a father's heart is to good is to get, you know, I'm getting this good gifts to their children. And I know that. And Jesus says, how much more? How much more? This week, Helen and Sean got married. Yeah. Very funny wedding. Especially what Sean said in the end, you know, he did a Borat impression. 
I was like, Helen's going to kill you, bro. But he was alive today, so I was wrong. Um, Helen, I, rem- I remember a story about Helen and Henry where Helen, you know, Helen, I think it maybe it was high school or college, I don't remember when, she had one iPod or iPod Touch where it broke. And she was in scholarship, you know, she was working. She couldn't afford another one. And it was the most precious possession she had in her life at that moment. And it really broke her that it broke. So she prayed to the Father. I don't know how, right? Telling the Heavenly Father her distress. Henry, for whatever reason, feels a prompting to give his iPod. And he gets a prompting to say, give it to Helen. And Henry's like, I don't know, Doc, you know, I don't think I really hear God. You just heard him. And at the same time, when Helen got the new iPod from Henry, she knew that the father heard her. Heard her cry, her, I mean, do you need an iPod? Some people might say, yes, you need music or you'll die. My son says that. A lot of people don't see the Father this way. And it's critically important for believers particularly to understand spiritual wealth they have in God the Father. Because you might love even your earthly father, because he's your father. But a father who does not provide, you won't trust for long. You might love your father. He might be a good man. But if he doesn't provide and in, so that you can see, you'll love him, but you won't trust him. And a lot of Christians live their spiritual lives loving the Father, but not trusting him. Because of spiritual poverty. And some people say, oh, Christianity doesn't work. There's no power in it. There's no pleasure in it. That's because of spiritual poverty. It bankrupts the blessings from above. I I remember multiple times in our community where people reached out to their Father in heaven. I remember Janice Luke, an oncologist at our church, during her residency, didn't get selected right away for chief residence. And she, in her car, threw a tantrum at her father. Maybe not a tantrum, but God, what's going on? And she led her heart to her father. A couple of minutes later, she gets a call. You got chief resident. Okay, father, my bad. My bad. I remember when I was writing my book, I was like, I just dropped out of Penn for a program for presidents of universities, Research One universities, because I wanted to refocus my life in a broader context. I thought first I could fix education. (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs) And um, I was like, you know, I want to 
My heart was to give every thinking person a rational and beautiful presentation of the gospel, to at least have a shot at beginning faith. And, and God put in my heart to write a book and to make sense of this holy haunting, a holy haunting. And I remember feeling the promptings of God, and I just said, God, I just don't know how this is going to happen, how the publishing process works, how books work, how any of this works. And maybe I'm just dreaming here. So difficult to get published. And before I went to bed that night, I said, God, if this is something you want, please give me a sign. The next morning, I get an email from an agent. Oh, your friend told me about your work, and we just saw your article from CT, and I, and I want to become your agent. The agent that first signed Philip Yancey, signed the in and out founder, I mean, the daughter for a book, a billion, billionaire, and a couple others. And I was like, wow, God, the Father heard me. So today, my question for us is, what is your vision of your Heavenly Father? Because that will determine your destiny, your spiritual destiny in your life. A lot of times, my wife, for whatever reason, when I go to the bathroom, asks me, what are you doing, one or two? Like, it's none of your business. If it's two, flush two times. I'm like, I'm a human being. She looks at me, no, you're not. <laughs> she gets like, you know, refreshers and stuff like that. Or we're passing by somewhere in Jersey, a bridge, and there's a, you know, there's a smell. And both my kids, dad, is that you? I'm like, it's New Jersey, bro. I can't even make it smell like that. It's Elizabeth, New Jersey. People are trying to identify the snitch. So for many of us today, we have to identify that poverty in our lives and dismantle it and correct it. Because you can love your father, but you won't trust your father if he doesn't provide, how can you, how could God provide if you don't ask? You have not because you ask not. So that's the first thing. Spiritual poverty stems from a poor vision of God. Second thing, look at this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, our expectation determines our possession. And I'm not talking about just material possession. I'm not talking about health and wealth. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about letting your heart, the desires of your heart, 
known to your Father. Because, and I've learned this, this lesson painfully and powerfully in my own life, raising two sons. Put this picture up here. So I have the oldest, 16, who has a music career, has about 60,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. He's growing his base. <coughs> and of course, the babe son, the one that asks for anything with total confidence. Now, my older son, who's a typical older brother and, and the eldest son, always has a, you know, a deep sense of responsibility for his own life. You know, Nathan at 11 would ask me questions about economics. And he's like, Dad, what kind of job would I need to make a good living at 11? Josh never asked me that question before. Josh said, Dad, I'm going to live here until I'm 35. Can you pay for my children? And can you buy me and my wife and my children a mansion with a jacuzzi in it? With no... No shame. Nathan says, or and at 12 and 13, he goes, so dad, how much money would I need to save up to have to buy a car? I'm like, Nathan, why? I said, why are you so preoccupied about a, making a living or buying a car? And he says to me one day and to my wife, well, don't I have to leave when I'm 18? I'm like, what do you mean you have to leave? Well, when you're 18, you're an adult, so you have to leave the house. I'm like, who told you that? Because I, that's what I thought. I thought I was supposed to leave at 18. I, I, I thought I was supposed to have my life together by 18. Be financially stable. I was like, wow. And his success rapping, making music, that pressure he felt was because I have to do this to make my own way because I can't rely on my father forever. How many people here would be okay if you had to make it by 18? <laughs> Some people couldn't tear that, tie their shoes at 18. I mean, what do you know at 18? I have two sons, but one's mindset about self-reliance was so strong. He thought that he had to rely on himself. Second lesson we learned, what spiritual poverty looks like. Self-reliance is what? Another form of spiritual poverty. Why? Because it cuts you off from the source. It cuts you off from every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1 tells us about in Christ. It cuts us off from the Father. Because we believe we have to rely on our own strength, own will, and own power to make it through. And so always see a survival. Flourishing is not insight. And many believers and many agnostics live their lives alone, struggling. Because that's 
all they've known. I'm here to tell you, beloved, the Bible says, there's a better way. Tell someone next to you, there's a better way. There's a Father in heaven who sent His Son to not only die for you and shed His blood for you, there's a Father that cares more about your flourishing than you ever will. And when you get to know that Father, you will trust Him. How can you trust Him? Everyone here, you have to have moments with the Father like that. You need to have one or two moments because I know my father passed away. I only have two, three moments that I remember about my father. In the Christian life, if you don't have one or two memories or what we call altars to, to look back on, it's very difficult for you to trust God and the heart of God with your life. You need to see the visceral reality. The Bible doesn't say believe God is good. The Bible says what? Taste the Lord is good. Jesus didn't say, come believe me. Jesus said what? Come and see. There's a better way to live the spiritual life, a spiritual life of depth and power and presence. This is how I feel every single time I come back from an international trip. I am a global entry, but if you're cheap, there's a free global entry called Mobile Passport. It's free. Tell someone next to you, it's free. Yeah, some of you here like free, right? Put this picture up. When I come back, when I, we got back from Asia, from Seoul, Incheon Airport, we landed at Seattle and we saw cattle everywhere going to their slaughter. My wife was helping a mom with three kids and four big luggages. She had to carry an infant, or was it two kids? I mean, it looked like seven kids, because she was struggling so much and had so much luggage. My wife, trying to help her, she had a transfer in an hour. The customs line was at least three hours. My wife and I walked out of that airport in two minutes. The only line in Mobile Passport, U.S. Customs, if you just do your customs, check, 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 you get out in two, three minutes. No line. Why? No one knows about it. I tell people on the plane, hey, do you have Mobile Passport? They're like, whatever, I don't know what that is. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Because the customs line, when you come to America, is supposed to be bad. You're so, this is just how, just the way it is. Tell someone, it's just the way it is. It's just, I mean, no, it's not the way it is. Why do you have to wait three hours of your life on customs when there's mobile passport? I don't get it. It kills me. I tell people, they look at me like I'm crazy. This is just the way it is. Jesus is doing that exact same thing here, saying, your father has given you access to the greatest source in the universe. Why are you abdicating it? Why are you forfeiting it? 
In the kingdom of God, dependency on God the Father is our greatest resource and greatest strength. Today, I want to pray for a new vision of who God is in your life and mine. And it will change the trajectory of your life and your spiritual life. And we'll go more into the spiritual blessing next week. So let's stand and pray together. Today, my my challenge is simple. If you don't have a moment with God, the Father, where you can remember clearly, where you see that He hears your cry, that you are His son and daughter and He cares for you, and you only cognitively know this, you don't viscerally know this, We're going to pray for a moment for God the Father to show you that He's your Father and that He will provide for you. Not just guide you, but provide for you. For me, one of my greatest memories with my own physical dad, and I want you to have like about three, four, But I just remember this, preparing this message. One of my childhood best friend's father passed away. He was like 52. My father was like a young to him, an older brother in Korean. And he was like a godfather to me. At the funeral, at the wake, I remember breaking down, finding no reprieve. And my father put his hand, and I I was kneeling in the grass, and he started breaking down with me. And we just both started to break down because of grief. And till this day, it's one of the most beautiful, most powerful and liberating picture in my mind. Because my father not only saw me, but saw my heart and saw my pain and entered that place. If you want to flourish in your spiritual life, 100% you need to see viscerally how the Father God hears your cry. So today, will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? And if you don't have one of these moments, or if you do have those moments, I want to pray for for more. Because that's the wealth we're talking about here. We're not talking about health and wealth. We're talking about the wealth of relationship. We're talking about you making moments, and the more monumental moments we create with God the Father, the richer we become in relationship to Him, and the more we trust Him with our lives. 
So whether you're beginning those moments or whether you have some moments, I want to pray today as we come to the Father that it will either compound or begin. make this our prayer. Come to the Father before the world began. Before the world began. You are on his mind. You were on his mind. And every tear you cry. Every tear you cry. Is precious in his eyes. Is precious in his eyes. Because of his great love, he gave his only son. Everything was done so you would come. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing that you've done to make him close the door because of his great love he gave his only son everything was done so you would come come to the father come to the father though your gift is small Broken hearts, broken lives, He will take them all. The power of His Word, the power of His blood, everything was done so you would come. So Father, we come before you this afternoon, right now. We thank you that you say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things also shall be added unto you for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Do you think the father doesn't care about your financial future? He does more than you, more than your own earthly parents. He cares about not just your material possessions, but he cares about how they would affect us, what kind of people it will make us. And no matter where we are with our relationship with God the Father, a lot of believers might love God, but won't trust God until they have those moments, visceral moments, where they see the heart of God, hear their own hearts cry. When that confluence takes place, when that emerges, You, give, you begin to pray for the dumbest things. 
you know what? If you don't pray for dumb things, just look at me for a second as a father, I know this. You're not a child. Right? My youngest son asks for the craziest things. My eldest son says, can I still live here? Which one are you? The closer you are to the, the heart of God and the Father, you go, oh, God, you know, can I have a brown stone? Just kidding. Not kidding. Now, the desires of our hearts, that's not the point, but sometimes kids, they ask for foolish things because they have a close relationship with Father, and when you do, you joke. And those jokes sometimes become a reality. And if really, your, the desires of your heart, the Bible says, God will give you the desires of your heart. If it will serve the flourishing of your life, not the destruction and the blessings to the world, there is nothing that God won't give from his hand. I want to pray today as we close for a spiritual imagination, which we'll go more into next week, but a spiritual imagination. Because all creation, all desire are two. They're, they're dual. For anything to happen, for anything to appear, you must first envision it then you must construct it. Today I pray for a blessing for all of us as we get richer in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I pray for spiritual imagination in your life. More than you can ask or imagine or think for what God can do in you and through you today. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. Go with God's blessing. Amen.